0: Welcome and thank you for joining us here on the DASH Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and this episode, as always, is sponsored to you by the Gamage Consulting Group. We help schools, educators enhance student engagement and voice. You can visit treygammons.com/shop to learn more about the services that we offer and visit iTunes or Spotify to listen to the DASH Podcast. But joining me today on the podcast is Delvante Greer of Cleveland, Ohio. He is a high school career coach, and we actually share an alma mater in the illustrious Miami, Ohio University. How are you doing today, sir? I'm pretty good, man. You know, love and honor. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me on, Trey. I I really appreciate it, man. Thanks.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We've got to get more. Well, I've got to get more um, Miami men uh, and women on the podcast there's a lot of folks doing some great things like i just said jalen brown will be coming on in a, a couple weeks too man that miami is a real special school we, we can actually um what do you think you know it's it's weird when you're at miami um because it's so beautiful and you know all the quotes and in the care about miami when you leave though it might just be me you can correct me if i'm wrong i feel like it's true like i love miami more that i'm gone now um, I appreciate it for what what was available, the opportunities while we were there. Do you do you feel the same way? Uh for sure, man. Um, I agree. You can kind of get wrapped up, you know, in the
1: culture of Miami and uh, oh, like you said, the quotes, love and honor, the campus. You just kind of it's like your own bubble, and mm-hmm. then you get out of there and you think about it, and you you hear about others' experiences, or you or you think about maybe um, I think about a lot is uh, the curriculum, and yeah. just like it took me like a like a year or two to realize that everyone's undergrad experience wasn't as rigorous as ours was in Miami Mm -hmm. and and being there you like man this is rough you know this is kind of difficult but then coming out thinking about how much more prepared I am for not it's not like I'm I'm still out here you know writing five page papers or you know (laughs) doing research assignments but just um just the way I approach work and the way I approach like uh, you know everyday thinking so definitely I appreciate Miami and uh, everything it exposed me to the resources available like you said and uh, just Miami was real big on like being better than it was you know, the year before and growth. So I, I definitely appreciate you know, just that whole mentality.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree so much, man. I, I feel like I'm using everything that I learned in my undergrad. I study psychology. I'm not in the psych field. But like you said, the work ethic, the the research part, The you know, we're always number one in undergraduate teaching at Miami. So I feel like it's it, I think it's true. You know, it just shows. And, uh, you know, the ability and the career path of myself personally and everybody else that I know from Miami, everybody's kind of on their game. And if you if you did what you were supposed to, if you took care of business at Miami, you're in a good position once you leave. I, de- I definitely agree with you, man. Another person, you know, just so
1: you can reach out to, just an education, I know, like you said, Jalen.
0: Mm-hmm. I know
1: Emoka, uh, uh, you know, he does a lot of, like, mentoring and everything. He's in the law field. Uh, Taylor Bryant, she's a school counselor. So, you know, I'm she crazy. has like a, another like unique perspective, you know, that way in education. So, you know, just a, a few, you know, Miami alums that you can reach out to and, you know, pick their brain and just see
0: what their experiences have been, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to have to do that, man. I might have to have a whole month of uh, of Miami celebrations. So- <laughs> Miami <laughs> month. I like it. <laughs> there we go. That's coming up soon. So, um, but but on the education tip, so you you mentioned that you started off thinking you were going to be in finance, um, but kind of switch lanes into education can you talk to me about your journey and you know just from college and how you realized um that being a career coach was was the path that you wanted to get started on oh for sure uh like i mentioned earlier
1: um i came to school and I, I was i was a big math guy I was like oh i know i love math uh numbers you know everything but i was also you know very personal i liked to uh, build a relationship with people you know sustaining those relationships um, so i got to school and i'm like i don't want to be an accountant because I'll be behind the desk all day. Mm -hmm. So I'll just be a financial advisor. That way I can interact with people and deal with numbers. It didn't work out that way. Uh, I mentioned, you know, Miami's, you know, rigorous curriculum, rigorous curriculum and just a program. So farmers was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. It was an adjustment and I had to pivot. And uh, during my time, you know, at school, I was also a football coach, youth football coach for ages, you know, eight to 10. And I loved it. I loved the mentoring aspect, uh, the teaching the coaching, just being able to be there for my my players, for the youth, and, like, mm-hmm. not just supporting them on the field, but off the field. So after coming back from that summer, my first year of coaching, I decided to go into sociology and family studies. Sociology more so is because uh, my advisor told me it was real malleable and I could do a lot of different things with it. Mm-hmm. And family studies is because I, I knew I wanted to go into youth development. So just going to that lane and just appreciating and learning and teaching and um, – I knew it was kind of too late to go into education because I still wanted to get out of Miami in a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, I graduated with my degree sociology and uh, family studies in 15 December, 2015. And then from there, I was still kind of lost. I'm like, okay, I like, I like mentoring coaching, but what am I going to do with this? Right. And then uh, I was presented with the unique opportunity, you know, the city or Cleveland, uh, it's an AmeriCorps program. They focus a lot on, you know, near peer mentoring, um, like in-class, like intervention. So mm-hmm. I had the unique experience of being able to work in a classroom, you know, with, uh, with inner city kids, actually back here in Cleveland. And I could work alongside the teacher. So I could, um, I would partner on lessons with him, or I could like pull the student out of class, you know? And it, yeah. was, it was great just developing a relationship with, you know, 15 to 20 students, you know, getting a certain amount of uh, tutoring time with them every week or so. Know, developing lesson plans, uh, going over subjects, watching them grow, and not even just focusing on the academic side, but it was a, a lot of, you know, like, social, emotional learning as well. Hmm. We uh, had different, you know, behavioral goals. We had different attendance goals, you know, holding them accountable to those goals and just, you know, letting them know that there's someone in their corner to get them through yeah. this, you know, whole school experience. Yeah. So, that was great. It was a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, that, that's perfect the way you put it. I feel like you hit the... The well-roundedness of it, you know, I feel like I'm um, a lot of times in education and, and you're coming from a different place. And I feel like I am, too, just from a, a, a non-pedagogy perspective, you know, not classroom instruction, but everything else that goes into the education system. And, you know, depending on who you ask, um, you know, education has been so much the same for 100 years. And now we're finally starting to realize that, hey, I have to actually build the whole child. Like, I can't just teach you how to pass the SAT or the state test. I have to help you. Um, learn how to be, how to restore your your mind and your your spirit from what you've been through as a child. How do you see um, in your role as a career coach? What impact do you see that you're able to have on some of these kids that you're working with?
1: Uh, I really liked how you mentioned you know, the whole child, because uh, especially uh, with with schools like I work in, you know, the inner city, it's, it's not it's not just about school. You know, mm-hmm. it's about it's about what's going on at home. It's about what happened the weekend before. So today's Monday, right? I, I can guarantee you something might have happened with my, one of my students on Saturday evening that's still bothering them. You yeah. know, uh, several of my students lost, lost classmates this summer. Um, we had about three, three students pass this summer and a lot of them are dealing with that, a lot of them. And I feel as an educator, it's, it's our responsibility to support that portion and not just say, okay, I, you know, I know your friend died, but we got to get ready for ACT. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, it would, it would just be irresponsible. So just being aware of the, the traumas that they're going through or the traumas that they might have been through and taking that into account when we're trying to learn. And, uh, and in my position, it's, it's actually uh, – I know I keep talking about, you know, a unique perspective, but as a career coach, I teach a curriculum – like based on, you know, uh, employability skills, you know, uh, high school success, you know, uh, social emotional learning. And I'm not just confined to, you know, teaching math or social studies or reading. So yeah. I, I, I really use this as an opportunity to connect with my students on more than just an academic level. So it, it, it is really something to be able to, to be there for them in that way and support them like individually or as a class, because, you know, we're all you know, kind of doing the same things.
0: Yeah, yeah. What um, what kind of deficits are you seeing in your students? I know, like this summer, I was working with um, I had about twenty students that were um taking online courses for the summer, and none of the students completed their. They had to write a do a speech, a video of themselves recording a speech, and they didn't like their writing assignment. So that tells me, you know, again, looking from a college and career perspective, that I need to um, we need to implement a public speaking class, you know, during some of their elective time and also looking at how they can become better writers and get comfortable with that because that's not going away. What are some of the deficits that you're seeing with your students and how are you able to um, kind of adjust your curriculum to meet their needs? I, I think you you hit a real important one, uh, their the writing skills.
1: Um, a lot of these, I get a lot of 16, 17 year olds, right? And they're they're struggling to write at an 11th grade level. A lot of them are still eighth grade or seventh grade even. And if if they can't, you know, communicate in that way, you know, if I say, oh, we got an assignment, so just give me a two-page paper on what do you want to do in, in two years? What school mm-hmm. do you want to go to? Uh, what career would you choose? If they don't have the confidence or feel that they can't complete that because, oh, I, I don't like writing. I don't like reading, you know, so I'm, I'm dealing with that. Or, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, maybe implementing more public speaking courses. A lot of them lack, like, soft skills. So just interacting with others in a positive manner. Because a lot of them come from environments that are, are, they're so combative. Or they're just so, it's just always, you know, some aggression. And whether that's from their peers, their neighborhood, their families. And it's like a constant push and pull and it's never just a conversation or an an understanding between anyone so if Mm -hmm. you get them in a classroom setting and you say hey you know stand up introduce yourself say something about yourself to the class you know i get a lot of i don't want to do that i don't like nobody i don't want to talk to anybody they don't know me and it's it's like i said it's a a constant battle with just being a part of any positive kind of situation because they're so used to everything being like negative and combative Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so true, man. And it's kind of it's really it's really sad, you know. And, mm-hmm. and things It's it's been cool to kind of have a podcast because I get to have so many conversation with educators and see that we're all kind of dealing with the same things um, in different ways, you know. And and just the the lack of want to or engagement for them. You mentioned, you know, in in your role as a career coach and in supporting the students outside the classroom through SEL. How do you help them set goals? Are there templates that you use, or for like your curriculum that you're teaching? Are is there um is there a curriculum that's already set, or are you having to make this curriculum on your own? So we have like a uh, a skeleton curriculum. So
1: through the so I teach through a nonprofit. I teach through a nonprofit called Youth Opportunities Unlimited, okay. and through through WOWU that's what we call it. We have uh it's called the JAW curriculum, which is part of a larger umbrella uh, JAG, which is Jobs for America's Graduates. Okay. And through the curriculum, like I said, it's, it's uh, various employability skills, but it's also, you know, different, you know, like self-sustaining things. So a, um, how to decipher, you know, your likes and dislikes, how to create goals, how to follow through on goals, you know, different things like that. And one of the main ways that I, I hold them accountable is that we, uh, we develop SMART goals, right? So early in the year, um, you know, SMART goals is specific, measurable, attainable um, real, uh, realistic, you know, like time-oriented, right? Mm-hmm. So we create a goal at the beginning of the year. About every month or so, we have what we call ISSs, which is uh, an individualized, an individual service strategy. So on there, we have an academic goal, we have uh, a personal goal, and we have an employment goal. And then write it down. We say uh, three steps on how to get there, and then when you want it to be done by Mm. talk about it and then we, we we got like a folder where we keep them all. and then throughout you know that month or so you know we're going through our curriculum you know talking uh, about just everything you know whether it's uh, how do I apply to college and the different lessons kind of build up on how to achieve those goals and then we revisit them a month later and say mm-hmm. hey how close are you to this what have you done to accomplishment, accomplish this what haven't you done and then just being able to hold them accountable you know through the goals that they set for themselves so we're not I'm not giving them these goals. These are things that they want to do, whether it's I want to save $100 or I got a a D in Spanish right now. I would really like to get a B, you know, so, you know, my mom won't be mad at me. You know, small things like that. So just holding them accountable and having it in front of them because it's easy to say, oh, I want to, if you ask a kid, oh, what do you want to do this year? Oh, I want to pass the 11th grade. Okay, how how are you going to pass the 11th grade? What steps do you need to do? What's holding you back? What barriers do you see? So just holding them accountable and keeping their goals in front of them and not just what they are, but how to accomplish them is, like, a, a great way that I've been able to, you know, like, accomplish that with them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and kind of helping them walk through that step, those steps.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because a lot of – so, and it's not even just me. Like, we, I, what I try and do, at least in my classroom, you know, keep engagement high is hold each other accountable. So if you mm. know when we discussed this earlier that, that Marcus said, A – I'm struggling in Spanish, maybe John can say, oh, you know, I I got an A in Spanish already. Maybe I can help you, you know, and just like having them, you know, kind of depend on each other more so and just knowing that it's not, it's not just a teacher that's in your corner, but everyone is in your corner. It makes a huge difference because Mm -hmm. they get more out of their peers than they would ever get from me. So Mm -hmm. just using that as to my advantage.
0: So what did you learn about education that you didn't know before you were, involved in the industry?
1: Um, I would have to say that uh, the disconnect between, you know, uh, the teachers and administration. Mm. And I I notice a lot that teachers have, like, a specific way that they want to go about teaching their class or they they have, like, specific, you know, curriculum or strategy that they want to, like, go through for the year, right? And sometimes, you know, it all works great. Everybody's on the same page. Uh, Students move at, like, a positive pace. Teachers are happy. But also sometimes administration has maybe a different agenda and whether that agenda is, uh, you know, uh, enforced or or biased because of funding or different grants or maybe there is a switch in the district. Maybe this year the district is focusing on test scores or this year the district is focusing on, oh, our social studies um, uh, feedback is coming back very negative. We need to spend... More time on social studies, so not social study teachers. You guys have a le- one less planning period, and then that throws off like teachers' happiness. It it influences how they how they teach, it influences maybe how they, they go about you know curriculum with their students, and just seeing how it can be a, a battle between those two and how much it affects the like the child. Yeah. So that was that's definitely something I noticed that's different, and uh, also um, students. At least uh, in my experience, you know, in, in the Cleveland Public School District, some students are, like, very much behind. So, if I have a 10th grader who's only reading at a 7th grade level, that that affects everything. Uh, right. So, now, instead of, you know, going on to maybe reading Caesar, we have to read uh, maybe a, a lower book. Or mm-hmm. maybe I have, let's say I have 15 kids. Let's say nine of them are behind. Those other six are now they're chugging ahead, and now, but I have to stay behind in this, and now you're, you're influencing the students who maybe need to go forward, or you're having to push forward the students who are behind, and now they aren't ready. And then something I've noticed is that those students getting pushed ahead, they, they never catch up to where they're supposed to be. Wow. So now you have seniors who never learned how to read at their level three years ago. Who are still four years behind, mm. and that, and it, and it's a, it's a terrible cycle because at that point it's say, hey, we, we got to keep the the bus rolling, we can't, we can't yeah. just stop here. So, just how how much influence a student not moving at, uh because I know all students aren't going to move at the same pace, but not moving along enough, how much it influences, you know, their learning, learning going forward. So, two mm. things that I didn't realize before I got into education.
0: Yeah, know, those, those are really good ones, too. The, you know, I, I, I've heard people talk about before the um, just having bad leadership or, or a mm-hmm. st- difficult administration, how that affects teachers. But, you know, I think the the awareness that you put on that in um, the different mindset that a lot of times teachers and administrators may have when it comes to accomplishing the same goal. Um, so that's that's a that's a great piece that you just highlighted there, as well as students falling behind, you know, I, when we went to, um, I went to visit Ron Clark school a couple of years or a couple months ago with, um, with some, with the school that I'm working with. And they, they talked about teaching to the highest students. So whoever the most gifted student was in that class, they, they create a lesson that challenges that student's um, level of rigor. And the, it forces the rest of the students to catch up and, and meet mm-hmm. that meet that criteria. So it's an interesting perspective. That, that, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and seeing the kids, the, so they start in um, sixth grade or fifth grade, I think, um, mm-hmm. but, but by the time they finish their fifth grade year and, and really, that, so because that of that, they start with content that nobody knows. So like, you know, you, when you go to Ron Clark, you may have learned pre-algebra before, but in once you go to fifth grade at the Ron Clark Academy, you're learning, um algebraic equations or, or three step problems poly- i don't know whatever you learn it since <laughs> everybody knows the information um everybody's on the same kind of platform, and all the mm. students are able to kind of grow at that same pace so that was a that was an interesting perspective that I saw when I went to visit down there
1: hmm. the only thing i saw i i I understand where they're coming from, you know, like to start with fresh information. the mm-hmm. only thing that I would wonder is a lot of at least what you know with math and just really just about any subject, is how much it builds off of each other. Yeah. So let's say, let's say I'm a student who, who did really well with adding and subtracting when I was in third grade, right? When you get to fourth grade and now you're multiplying, it's, it's easier to multiply if you have, like, the basic understanding of True. just adding more numbers. So I, w- I would wonder, like, how, how much that would affect students who maybe didn't grasp a subject beforehand. Yeah. That's, very, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's uh that would be something to explore um going back down there or, or visiting what they've got going on. So that and that's just one way to do it. You know, everybody has their own uh method to their madness. What what is your ultimate goal as a career coach or an education? What is your ultimate goal to accomplish while you're in education? Hmm. I mean That's a big question, man. <laughs>
1: um I would really have to say just um just like closing the gap between uh, ability and opportunity Mm. Uh, a lot, a lot of the students that I come across, man, you, I, I, I can tell you they have so much potential, man. Like they, they, they learn in different ways, but they have so much going for them, right? Whether it's, Hey, you know, Mr. Greer, you know, I really like editing videos on Instagram. Now me, I'm thinking, Oh man, I hate editing videos on Instagram. It's so, it's difficult. I'm not really sure what apps to download. These kids create full-blown music videos, man, full-blown full, full blown music videos off apps on their phone, <laughs> an, an iPhone 6S, and they're making full-blown music videos. I would never in a million years think about to do something like that, right? They learn so different in a, such a unique way that I, I want to be able to take how they're learning and have them apply it to... to to, to real life and use it to, you know, to better their situations or their family situations. And just having them understand that everything isn't uh, 12 years of, uh, of school, four yeah. years of college, uh, two years for masters, four years for a PhD. Like that's not mm. the only track and it's not the only way to learn. And mm-hmm. if they can understand that the way, the way that they learn isn't, you know, bad or wrong, but just a, an alternative path and using that to, do whatever it is that they want just applying it to succeed that's what it should be using the knowledge and how you learn to succeed instead of trying to follow a path that honestly might kind of be outdated at this point you know yeah so just taking taking advantage of like just being self aware of how they learn and using it to succeed in their own way mm. and and just like like i said just like closing that gap between the ability that they already have and the opportunities in front of them, if we can just close it just a little bit, I, I can see so much more success for for students from the inner city. Honestly, even not even the inner city, but even like in rural communities. Yes, like I know they they struggle just as much as, as the students that I serve. Yes, and if if they can, you know, figure out like the the best way for them to learn and how to take advantage of it, man, then you'll you'll see like just such a rise and and just like success from. Places besides, you know, the, the top ten
0: percent of the country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, you hit that it, it spot on the dot on the head. That's that's why the that, That's why this podcast exists. You you just said, well, you know, you added your piece to it. Um, I said the dash podcast is helping to bridge gaps in education. That's that's the whole goal. That's the whole mission of the podcast is for people just like yourself to talk about the gaps that you're bridging in education, and so that that gap from um, ability and opportunity. Wow, that, that speaks absolute volumes. I think one about you, but also the um, the, the educators that are in um, education. And, and it's been a, a widely discussed topic on the podcast that only two percent of educators are Black males. So every yeah. opportunity that we have to um, really pour into you know our population, and maybe fifteen percent of the population is African American. But that's still that's a huge gap. Yeah. Think about think about how dense some of those populations where they are, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you got yes,
1: it's fifteen percent, but if you're in in Cleveland or think about mm-hmm. like teachers in Mississippi, you know, mm-hmm. like the that had the most black people in the entire country, mm-hmm. and if only two of the educators are are black males, man, that, that yeah. has, that's something. There's yeah. such a disparity, like to to have someone who doesn't look like you or Maybe can't relate to your experience. Trying to tell you how how this is, how you should learn, how it should be. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a disconnect, man. Like I was lucky enough to to have you know like three or four black male teachers in my life, but think about this the the ones who don't. Yeah, and then they and it's, it's it's something to think about, man. And it's it's uh it it's definitely and hasn't an, having an impact, or it has been having an impact, and hopefully it's just something that we can, like, change moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I only had um, – I think my first black teacher was Tim Staples my freshman year in college. Tim Staples. Wow, really? Um, yep, yep. I, had, I think wow. I had one black art teacher um, in, like, maybe second grade, but then it was Tim Staples. And, and Tim Staples is actually um, – shout out to him. He's, he's the way – the reason I got down to South Carolina, I called him while I was studying abroad and told him I was looking for um, some jobs. He told me about a couple – and um, I ended up coming down here to South Carolina. He was my supervisor for okay. two years, or yeah, two years while I moved down here. And he's back in, um, I think, uh, Southern Illinois. And I stayed down here and started my business. So you're exactly right too when it comes to density. I mean, South Carolina. This is the, the majority of the people here are black. You know, I one of the, I work with a charter school um, in a rural community. Used to be the school used to be down a dirt road. With some trailers on it, and it's the most diverse school in the county, with 76% of the students being black. Um, now, now it is a very diverse staff as well. I think we do have, off the top of my head, I don't even know how many black educators we have, but we have several, um, you know, black educators, male and female. Um, but it's a very mixed and, and diverse crowd that we've got in there, um, so that's cool. And I'm, I'm curious too, um, and we'll wrap up here shortly. But you know, you're you're working with a nonprofit. To, um, Youth Opportunities Unlimited. How is how does that work? Being working with a nonprofit, but um, working with a public school, like is that how does that relationship, or partnership go about?
1: Uh, so, uh, luckily, uh, while you has been around for long enough, that has a, a positive reputation with the school district and the, the different schools that it's in. So, we get funding, you know, through JAG or JAG, the 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 large umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. From that program, we're, we're kind of, you know, contracted out to the schools. So if the school wants the program in the, in the building, you know, they, they call us and we go over, you know, everything we do, everything we, we teach and everything. And they decide that they want us. And from then, uh, as a career coach, my position is, I, so I'm a, I'm, I am a teacher. So I, I teach all the curriculums. Um, I administer all the testing. Mm-hmm. I do all the grading. Everything. So I'm a full blown teacher, but since I'm not a teacher of the district, we have what's called a, a teacher of record. So okay. that's uh they, they handle attendance, they officially put our grades in. Yeah. And other than that, we're we're fully integrated into the staff. We attend all PDs, mm. uh, all all programs with the school, whether it's, you know, like uh uh family nights, uh orientations. Uh, like discipline assemblies. We're fully integrated into the staff. So the, really the only thing is we're just not teachers and it's really, and right now we're, I want to say 12 schools across the district and we have about 14 career coaches. And uh, Mm. another thing that's like really helpful is that, like I said, we're able, we're not really confined to just teaching, you know, one, one or two subjects. We, we can kind of capture the whole child and, you know, you know go about the curriculum that
0: we have, yeah, 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 I love it, and so you guys you can kind of go in and, and is all is every curriculum that you guys use is it focused on the whole child, like do you have your career coach? do you have maybe a math or science teacher that can go in and teach those classes, but um also embed some of that uh, whole whole student learning in it,
1: so I wouldn't say necessarily we have like a math teacher or a science teacher, but within the curriculum, like we do like cover like basic things like that. So, and so I actually teach two curriculums. One is on employability, uh, you know, uh, post-secondary success, whether it's college, you know, going to the workforce or the military. But another curriculum that I I do teach is, uh, it's on entrepreneurship. It's uh, through a corporation called Nifty was uh, the the network for teaching entrepreneurship. And then that, that's when we really go into, you know, more like math and science skills. And just applying that on how into being an entrepreneur or to you know actually create a self sustaining business, and we spend the whole year like learning those different principles, uh, you know how to how to test for something if if this is a sustainable idea, if people will respond well to it, and they spend an the entire year you know creating their own business, and then at the mm. end we have like a competition, mm. and they can they can go to nationals in Chicago or New York depending on where it is, and they can like get actual funding for the business that they create, so. I will say that it is a good opportunity because from there we can bring in like different speakers or uh, different people in to, you know, talk about their situations. And then that person could be, you know, uh, a professor of math or professor of science, just be able to speak to their experience and how it like affected their education or how it affected their, their role to entrepreneurship. So that is a a great opportunity. So even if it's not a career coach, who is the person bringing that into the child, we know someone who who can do that and we bring Mm -hmm. them in.
0: Hmm. That's that's really cool. I think that's a great alternative way as well to to be involved in education. You know, I, I know about you know AmeriCorps and Teach for America and stuff like that. So there's some there's some great alternate routes to get into education and make the impact that you want to make on the next generation. That's great. So how can we get in contact with you and with uh, Youth Opportunities Unlimited if somebody else is interested in being involved in an organization like this? Um, if, you, if you ever want to like, reach out to me I can uh, you know, put you
1: in contact With my supervisor Or with our uh, vice president of programs So to contact me You can use my cell at 216-466-3554 Or you can email me At uh, D as in diploma G as in great R-E-E-R At Youthopportunities.org uh, you can send me an email or, or send me a message and I'll, I'll respond to you, whatever questions you have, or if you, if you want me to put you in contact with, with someone else, if I can't answer the question, I know someone who can.
0: Yes, indeed. I love it.
1: Any final takeaways that you want to share with us, Devontae? Hey, Trey, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, man. I, I, I've been listening to uh, a few of the podcasts and they're great. You get a lot of like very unique perspectives and I, and I appreciate hearing from other ed- educators at all times is, and just applying that to what I'm what I'm doing, so I, I appreciate everything you do, and We need more of these, man. We need more podcasts like this. We need more yes. people thinking the way you do, and just trying to engage educators because I think that's the most important thing. Because if we don't engage each other and mm. push each other to be better and work harder for you know the youth we serve, you know if we're if we're all not serving leaders, I don't I don't know what else we could be doing. So I mm. appreciate you, man, and keep it up.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man, and thank you for taking that time out. Um, to join me today as well. And if you're listening right now, man, take your time to go follow D. Greer um, or email dgreer at youthopportunities.org. Can't wait to talk to you again. If you have any comments, please share those. Share the episode with somebody that needs to hear it. And we will see you next time. This is The Dash.